Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Now, what you're about to listen to is a teaching lesson from our Wednesday night study series entitled, What is God Like? A Study of the Attributes of the Almighty. All right, we're, I am very excited to be back here tonight with you all. I'm glad that the weather's cleared up. I, um, I love the cold. I love the ice. I love the snow more than absolutely anyone, I promise. Don't challenge me on that because I do. But it's uh, really good to be able to be back and not have to skip and get back into our study. Um, tonight we're going to be looking at um, another attribute that begins with omni. I want to try to spend a, just a quick moment to refresh our minds, to get us back on track with um, what we've been studying. But we were studying last week, or the, week, the last time that we were here, we were looking at um, God's omnipresence. And um, we discussed that there are three different omnis, and it is omni... Anybody know him? Oh, look at Tony. Tony's like, are you kidding me? Of course I know these. Omnipresent, omnipotent, or omnipotent, and then Tony? All right, good. And so tonight we're looking at um, omnipotent. So we learned from the last study that omni is a word that means all. And then the word that follows that is God is all fill in the blank. So um, tonight, omnipotent or omnipotent, God is all powerful. So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. God is omnipotent. Now we've got, uh, just to refresh ourselves how this is going to go, there are going to be a lot of scriptures that we're going to list off and that we're going to... Um, that I'm just going to kind of read and go through. Um, I've got some scriptures that will uh, be on the screen for you to write down and go home and study. And I do encourage you to take the time to go back and and look at these scriptures. Um, Don't just take my word for it. Go look at the Bible. Make sure that the Bible is saying, uh, that I'm saying what the Bible is saying. And if not, come talk to me. Let me know. Let's have a conversation because uh, what's most important is not what Pastor Matt says, it's what the Bible says, right? Um, so take notes. Um, I'll have the points on the screen so you can kind of follow along there. And uh, we're just going to kind of power through that way, all right? Before we get started, uh, let's just take a moment and say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to gather again tonight, Father. We thank you for bringing all of us here safely, Lord. Um, God, and I just pray that you open up our minds and our our hearts and our spirits tonight, Father. I pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see great and wonderful things in your word that we have not known. Lord, I pray that 
we have a high view of you, Father, that, we have a, that, we, that will lead to a, a deeper relationship with you and more meaningful worship of you, Father. I pray for these things in your holy name. Amen. So God is omnipotent. What does omnipotence mean? Well, we already kind of covered that. Omni being all, potent meaning power. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. We have an actual definition here that he has all power over all things at all times in all ways, and there is no power that exists outside of him. He has all power over all things at all times in all ways, and there is no power that exists outside of him. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. We're just going to read 29 real quick. But I want you to look at this. It's Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. This kind of serves as our, our launching pad, if you will. Um, if we've got some kids' zone kids that would like to Head back to Kid Zone. You can make that happen now. We've got Brother uh, the Marquezes here. Um, but Matthew twenty two twenty nine is going to kind of serve as our uh, backdrop for wanting to study this, uh, this topic. Uh, Matthew 22, verse 29. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but, it says, but Jesus answered them, You are wrong. Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. We don't want that to be able to be said of us. We want to be a people that know the scriptures. We want to be a people that know the power of God. As we dig into this study, and I want to continue to reiterate this uh, probably week after week, but as we study this, and certainly as we study this tonight, Let's keep in mind that what we're looking for is not to have a fact sheet about God as though he were an an, an appliance and you can just list off a bunch of facts about who God is and what he's like, but rather what we want to do in these studies of, of looking at his attributes and taking the time to look at each one individually, we want to step back and just be in awe of who he is. We, we want our understanding and our knowledge of God to lead to more worship of God. We want to be able to know what he's like. And this comes in handy. This is, this is really impactful in your life whenever you're faced with various trials or you're faced with temptation or you don't know what decision to make and whatever it is. Whenever you know what God is like and you know his attributes, it brings a lot of peace to your spirit. Because you begin to know that this does not depend on me, and I serve a great and wonderful God. So that's what we're looking to do here and and achieve in this study of God's attributes, is we want to know him, not merely facts about him. So, God is omnipotent. You've probably heard of, uh, if you've been in church for a while, uh, you might remember the singer Amy Grant. I'm really aging myself here, guys. This is how old I am. <laughs> Got a lot of eye rolls. 
<laughs> Amy Grant sang a song um, called El Shaddai. I don't know if you, some of you might remember that song, El Shaddai. Um, she didn't come up with that word, by the way, um, in case you didn't know. El Shaddai is one of the biblical names of God. And El Shaddai is a name that it has several different meanings depending on how you want to translate Shaddai. But um, the most widely used and most agreed upon usage of El Shaddai is God Almighty. This is one of God's names. So God's power is not merely something that he possesses. God being all-powerful is something that he is. That's his name, is all God Almighty. That's his name because that's who he is. This is his nature that we're talking about here. So we're going to take a look at three truths regarding the omnipotence of God. And then we're going to transition to look at two ways that we experience the might of his power in our personal lives. So... We're going to first start off with three different truths. The first truth that we want to look at regarding God's omnipotence is that it is inexhaustible. God's omnipotence or God's power is inexhaustible. It is infinite. There is no end to the power of God. It is a supply house, a, a supply fountain that has absolutely no end. We see this evidenced in the fact that God created everything. In Romans 1.20, um, so you can write that reference down, Romans 1.20, it says that his divine nature, namely his eternal power, um, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. We've read that one here before in this study. But his divine nature, namely his eternal power, have been clearly seen ever since the creation of the world. So Paul is telling us here that the, the first and foremost place that we see all of God's attributes, but namely his power, is in creation. The fact that God created everything that we see. And God did not break a sweat or lose an ounce of his energy in creating complex life forms, massive planetary systems, or in giving power to his creation itself. His power cannot be exhausted. So think about that. Let's think through this. He gave you power. God is the power giver but he never runs out of power. That's hard to grasp. Because anything, if you go to fill up a, a pitcher, a cup with a pitcher of tea, that tea, you can see that tea going down, right? And your heart breaks a little at a time. Oh man, we're, we're almost out. We're almost out of tea. Oh, is it just me? Okay, I see how y'all are. But you can see it wasting away. You can see it going down. But God is not like this. God has given power and he's lost none. Wow. <laughs> Wrap your head around that one. God put all of the energy and the power in the sun that has kept it burning for thousands of years. 
and it's so hot. It's, you know in the middle of summer how hot this sun is. But even creating that sun, God has wasted zero power. That is a lot of power. Isaiah 40, 28. The Lord does not become weary or tired. That's Isaiah 40, 28. That's the one that's on the screen. Hebrews 1, 3. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. So God's power is evidenced in creation, not just in the fact that he created it, but in the fact that he currently sustains it. God is right at this moment sustaining all ecosystems, volcanoes, geysers, tides, waves, jet streams, rivers, waterfalls, gravity, stars, your heartbeat, oxygen, indeed all of life itself, and he is exerting no energy that needs to be replenished. We sometimes can't even walk around the store without needing to sit down, right? I mean, we, have, we constantly need to be replenished. We, we constantly need to drink water or have a meal or take a nap or go to sleep because our energy is finite, but God is sustaining everything and none of it is causing him to grow weary or tired. Folks, that's a big God. That is a strong God that we serve. And since his power is inexhaustible, he is the supply of all power through the universe. So write this one down, Psalm 62, 11. Psalm 62, 11. It very plainly says, power belongs to God. All power is God's. This is all power. This is political power, economic power, social power, spiritual power, physical power. All power belongs to God. Without him leasing out power, there is no power in this universe anywhere to be found. That means you and I. We have no power of our own. We have no strength that has not been given us from God himself. John 15, 5. Jesus is speaking. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I really want this to, I really want us to feel this one. That you and I are absolutely powerless without God. Yet we take this for granted so often. Think about this. You can't even keep yourself alive at this very moment. God could cause your heart to stop beating like that. A number of things could cause us all right now to perish. That is how little power you and I have. Apart from God granting you the ability to have muscles in your legs, 
you wouldn't even be able to get yourself to stand up. The hand that you're using to write is only able to write by the grace that God has given you to be able to use what he has placed within your body. Every last ounce of strength and ability and power that you and I have is on lease from God Almighty. This is what Jesus is saying. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That means you can't get in your car and drive away tonight. That means you can't even finish listening to this message tonight. Apart from the grace, the grace that God is giving you in allowing you this power. Yet we go about our day in blatant disregard of our absolute dependence on Him for anything and everything. We always think that we will turn to Him when we really need help. Well, I can handle this one. I, I got this one, God. I'll, I'll come to you whenever I really have a need. Then I'll come and pray. Then I'll lean on my brothers and sisters. But church, we have no power apart from Him. That means the power to wake up in the morning tomorrow, you don't have that power. So every single time that God grants you the grace to wake up, to take a breath, to walk, to take steps, to stand up, to have thoughts, we should be seeking Him. We should be understanding that I am utterly dependent on you, God. I need you. This isn't just a nice, clever saying that makes us feel good that I, I need you, God. No, I really, really need you. I, I can't stand here without God. Do we see that these, these lights that are on right now, they have no power of their own. The electric company doesn't have the power. God has the power. As we're in an election year, and people always get terrified of, of what's happening in the political atmosphere and political world, they have no power except for what's given them by God. None. Think about that. He places people in where they're at. He gives them their positions. God has all power, every last ounce of it. And this is how kind and loving and long-suffering that our God is. That though we exist in blatant disregard of our utter dependence on Him, He continues to sustain you. He continues to, to bear with you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He continues to wake you up. He continues to give you money and food and clothing and rain and sunshine because he's kind and he's loving and he's long-suffering. But make no mistake, this God is all-powerful. God's omnipotence is 
inexhaustible in an incomprehensible way. Write this one down. If you really, you just need to go read all of Job. But Job 26, 7 through 14. Job 26, 7 through 14. In speaking of what mighty acts God has done in creation, Job says this These are but the outskirts of his ways, these are but a whisper of his power. Who then can comprehend his power? These are just the outskirts. What is this saying? That we, we don't even see a fraction of the power that God possesses. God is so mighty that he can do more than he even does. Ephesians 3.20 says... Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than you and I could ask or even think. Paul can write that because he knows that this God is all-powerful. He has all power. And he is able to do far more abundantly than you and I could ever ask or think. Imagine that. You couldn't even dream up something that God would not be capable of doing. That's within his nature, of course. We are nothing like this. <laughs> we don't know anything that is an inexhaustible supply of power like God is. The sun, it'll eventually burn out. The mighty ocean waves cannot break against the cliffs without the help of wind. The most powerful truck that you can think of on the planet right now needs gas. The Titanic's grandeur and power were thwarted by a frozen block of water. The strongest of men needs sleep. Everything in this world is perishing, yet God is eternal, not just in his existence, but in his power. He has always had all power, and he always will have all the power. Then the second truth is that his power is irresistible. Job 42.2, the first reference that you see on the screen says, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Isaiah 14, 27, it's the second reference on the screen. The Lord of hosts has planned. Who can frustrate it? And you can write this one down to Job 9, 4. It says, who has hardened himself against God and succeeded? And then Isaiah 55, 11 Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, you know this one, that God's word will not return to him void. What is this saying? What are all these verses pointing to? That if God has said something will happen or determined that he will do a thing, it will happen. Period. There's nothing that you or I or all of the collection of humanity together could do to stop God's hand. 
If you don't believe it, ask Jonah. You know the story of Jonah and the whale, don't you? Do you know why Jonah ran from God? Because Jonah knew that God had determined to save the people of Nineveh, and Jonah did not want them to be saved. So he ran from God's command to go to Nineveh and preach the the message of repentance to them. But we all know how this story ended. God was so powerful that he caused the whales to listen to him. They did his bidding. Why? Because God had determined to do something. And not even Jonah's disobedience could get in his way. Man, that is, that is powerful. That is just so unthinkable that God is this mighty. Jonah's running from God did not stop God from using him. We have this idea today that if we don't do God's work, then it won't get done. That's not true at all, even a little bit. Ask Moses and the first generation of the Israelites that came out of Egypt. He said they were going to go to the promised land. Guess what? They didn't because they were disobedient. So what did God do? Fine, I'll just wait you out. He let all that generation of Israelites die off in the desert. Moses himself died on the other side of the promised land. And guess what? Right at that moment, God said, okay, let's go. Why? Because God had made a promise, and he was going to fulfill his promise, whether or not they were going to comply. And it's the same for us today. Those of us who have callings on our life, or those of us who read this scripture, and and it's saying, do this, do this, do that. If it's not you, God will just move on. This isn't to say he gives you 14 seconds to respond. God is long-suffering. God is patient. And God is kind. And he will work through you. But eventually, if a people don't want anything to do with God and people are just resistant to him, fine. My purpose is going to be accomplished. He says his word will not come back to him void. That means that you or I cannot get in the way of it. And here is the grace of God. That though he does not need you or I, he invites us. He invites us to be a part of what he's doing. He could do it all by himself without anyone's help. He could raise up rocks to do his work for him. But instead he calls New Life Baptist Church in Wolferth. He calls you. He calls me and says, come be a part of what I'm doing in the world. Come be a part of my his story of redemption that I've been telling all throughout the generations. Be a part of this with me. Church, let's not yawn at that. Let us not be afraid of that either because the God who calls you is powerful. The God who calls you out of where you're at and into the game 
is mighty enough to empower you to do what he's asking you to do. Why? Because he's not entrusting it in your hands. He's entrusting it in his own hands through you. That means that his purpose will be accomplished. He will accomplish all he sets out to do with or without us. And this leads us to the third truth. That God's omnipotent, though he is omnipotent, his use of his power is self-consistent. The scripture reference on the screen is 2 Timothy 2.13. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God will only exercise his power in a manner that is consistent with his holy character and his perfect will. That is to say that God's not mean. He's not a bully. He's not ill-willed in his use of his power. You've heard the phrase before, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But that is not true of God. Because God has absolute power. But he uses it and operates in this almighty power in a, cons- in a way that is consistent with his holy nature. That is to say that if he wanted to, he could just wipe us all out. But he doesn't, does he? He gives us the opportunity to come to him, to come to know him. Though we are stiff-necked people sometimes, he gives us the opportunity. And he's long-suffering and he waits. But make no mistake, there will be a day where waiting is over. Noah's, the door to Noah's ark eventually closed. The rain eventually fell. Paul Washer has this, this preacher that I love, Paul Washer. He has this illustration where he says, God, it's like God has his hands up like this. With one hand, he's restraining his wrath. And with one hand, he's beckoning you to come and find mercy and find grace. But one day, both hands will drop. and There will be no more mercy or grace. And then in that moment, we will be on the wrong side of God's almighty power. We don't want to be on that side, church. We want to be on the opposite side, enjoying God's almighty power. It's just like in Revelation, they, they're praising God, saying, yes, hallelujah, God is now stepping in place in his almighty power. And that will be us. If we are in Christ, we will celebrate on that day to see God exercise the fullness of his might and strength. Now listen, this should give the believer tremendous confidence that when we are faced with moments that make us question, why aren't you doing anything about this, God? that he is even in that moment working together all things 
for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That even when we can't see it. But God is not a magic genie. We cannot rub our lamp of faith the right way to manipulate him into operating as we see fit. God is not a magic wand that we can wave our faith stick at things and and get God to put his power somewhere. If he is allowing or even causing something to happen, then regardless of what it might seem like, what people tell us, or what our own brains think, God is mighty enough to turn any situation for the good of his children. Anything. The worst case scenarios. Anything. Because he's that powerful. And we find this to be true in two different ways. There are two distinct ways that God manifests his power towards us and even in us. Number one, God is mighty to save. In his saving, in saving his people. One of God's greatest displays of power is lifting mountains of sin off of sinners. The same way that God was able to create galaxies and planets and nations and peoples with just his word, he is able to create a new heart in the life of a wicked sinner with just the word of his truth. This is Almighty God. Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That almighty God, that omnipotent God, his gospel is where he flexes his muscles. He can take the worst of the worst, clean them up and make them holy. Ephesians 1, 19-21 is the other reference on the screen. It speaks of the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. God's greatest display of power is in taking sinful, weak-willed men and women, removing their mountain of sin and guilt, and presenting them back to himself as holy, blameless, and above reproach. That's how strong he is. That not even your sin gets in his way. When he has determined to save a person, that person's sin is nothing to him. He clears that mountain of guilt and exerts zero effort doing so. Leonard Ravenhill, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's really, really old. He's passed away many years ago. 
Leonard Ravenhill says the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy and then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. That is power. We see that the second way is that he doesn't just have the power to save his people, but he has the power to preserve his people. Those who he saves, he keeps. He doesn't lose anyone. If you are in Christ, no, there is no such thing as losing your salvation. Because those who are his are all the way his. You might go through seasons of, of backsliding and seasons of, of dryness. But rest assured that if the mighty saving hand of God has applied salvation to you, He will keep you till the end. Jude 24. And I would encourage you to write all those down and go read those because these are really, really encouraging passages. But in Jude 24 it says, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. Philippians 1.6, you know this one. He who began a good work in you will finish. John 10.27-29, those whom God has in his hand cannot be snatched from his hand. Not even by you. Life gets hard. There are days when we feel our absolute lack of power. Have you ever felt that way where you have really felt your weakness? There are days in our battle against sin that we feel we have absolutely no strength left to fight it. Sometimes problems and troubles arise that you feel absolutely powerless against. But know this, your God never lacks strength. Ever. Your God never tires. Your God never slumbers. His grip never weakens. His strength is never lessened. He's never even evenly matched. He's never encountered a problem that perplexed him. He's never had a, a battle that wasted his energy away, that cut him deeply. Any battle that God has ever entered into, he's won it before it started. Not even our sin, not even, our, not even death itself are a match for Almighty God. So instead of sulking in your powerlessness, be like Paul, who boasted in his weakness. 2 Corinthians 12.9 My grace is sufficient for you, for my power 
is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in your weakness. When we're weak, when we're tired, don't sulk in that. Turn to God, who is an inexhaustible supply of power, of strength, of what you need to make it through the day, the week, the rest of your life. This God, who is omnipotent, never tiring, who has an inexhaustible supply of power, then has the ability to save you completely and preserve you until the last day. This God is able to hold on to you even when you're too weak to hold on to Him. This God is mighty enough to overcome all of your shortcomings, all of your struggles, all of your trials, all of your storms, your tragedies, your hurts, your pains, and it is He who fights on behalf of His children. God is mighty to save, mighty to preserve, and mighty to keep His promises. Behold your God. This is the God we serve. Let's stand, we'll pray, and we'll be dismissed. Almighty God, Lord, we just want to take a moment and admire how powerful you are. God, that you've never been tired. We get tired. You never are. We get weak. Your strength is made perfect in our weakness. We fail. You never do. We mess up. You're perfect. We fall. You pick us up. God, there is nothing that is too hard for you. Nothing that is impossible for you. Lord, and for that, we worship you. We honor you. We glorify you. God, I pray that as we go from this place, Lord, that we would meditate on the reality of who you are, finding great comfort in the person, in who you are, Lord, and that we can know you personally. Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you take all of this information and you move it from our heads into our hearts. Lord, that this would lead to greater worship, greater commitment to you. And that it would lead us to go tell the world about this mighty God we serve. We thank you. We praise you for who you are, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen.